six of the Self-Care Sunday podcast, a minimalist media project by Kaylee Reed. Every Sunday, only on Sundays, I'll release a new podcast episode exploring topics like mental health, entrepreneurship, creativity, and of course, self-care. And today's episode features my friend Amina, who is the founder of Unapparenthood, a podcast and media brand for millennial parents. Before starting Unapparenthood, Amina had dabbled in kitchens and tech, and we met while both working on separate startups last year. She had the idea to create content for modern parents while pregnant, and after having a missed miscarriage, that goal shifted to truly empower parents from pregnancy to parenthood with informative and relatable content. She's now pregnant again with her partner, Bryce, who is also her business partner and co-creator of Unapparenthood. Let's get into today's episode. It's kind of funny how we met and how we're now both at this stage with these podcasts when the time that we met, we were both doing completely different things in the startup world. Yeah. 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 So I want to start with who you are and kind of what your story was before you started Unapparenthood. Okay, so the Amina that you met back in, I think it was like November, maybe October, I had just launched a vegan taco pop-up, so I have a culinary background and have always loved, loved food, and I was moving in the direction of entrepreneurship basically my whole life. I've always had a side hustle. I was always freelancing, and... When I was at my last job and I was in a business development capacity in the food space, it sort of pushed me into entrepreneurism without even realizing it because of how unhappy I was. Not just working for somebody else, but working for somebody that didn't understand my creativity or how to manage me or how to treat me the way I want to be treated, especially because my my superior was a male and was like a little bit sexist, so I was basically thrust into this world of entrepreneurism. So that's when we had met, and at the time, we were both on a panel, and I was super open about being pregnant, and I think I had actually told people in the audience, you know, if you're, if you're doing like a Facebook Live or something, let me know, because we haven't even announced it to our friends or anything yet, because I think I was like eight weeks pregnant at the time. So that's how we had met. And that and wasn't even that long ago. So much has changed, and that wasn't even that long ago. Yeah, yeah, it's wild, because it was less than a year ago uh, that we were both running completely different startups and completely different points in our lives. And now to see kind of the growth that's happened in the few months is really cool. So I want to talk about your love story (laughs) (laughs) because that's kind of a big part of your startup story now too with Unapparenthood. So I listened to your first podcast episode on the Unapparenthood podcast and it was so cute to hear how you guys met through Bumble and just like how everything evolved so quickly, but I would love for you to tell it to everybody listening now who hasn't listened to your podcast yet. Yeah, so it's, it's actually funny because since we've posted that episode, we've had a ton of people be like, oh my God, I didn't know people actually met online and it was like a real thing. <laughs> and that's how we were too. I mean, I had never met anyone from an app that I was in a serious monogamous relationship before, right? 
but how we met was through Bumble. And it took us about a month to actually meet off of the app. And once we met, it was sort of like we were inseparable from that point on. And the great thing about about these apps and all of these like online dating things is you meet people that you never would have met. Like I'm totally a believer in like destiny and like things happening for a reason. But I mean, Bryce was living like on the other side of town. I was living outside of Toronto. We never would have crossed paths. And the only reason why we came up on each other's apps was because he was at the airport and I had lived about like 15 kilometers from the airport. So we had reached each other's like radius that we had set on our own app. So if he hadn't gone on his trip and I didn't stay home that day, mm-hmm. then we wouldn't have even come up in, in the deck of, of profiles on, on the Bumble app. So that was like on a Friday and then we matched on a Monday and then we talked and talked and talked. And then we sort of like stopped talking as it sort of happens on dating apps online. Like you'll kind of meet someone that you think is cute and you'll talk for like a day and then they'll ghost or you'll ghost or like we, we're a very flaky generation. So I, that's what our experience had been. And then we both happened to be in Montreal at the same time. And I had left on the train. He had left the day after. And then that Friday, um, it was sort of a joke of like, yeah, sure, you can come over with McDonald's. And like, we both don't even eat McDonald's. <laughs> and he ended up at, like in my lobby at 3 a.m. on a Friday. And then that was, that was it. So that was like in the second week of March. That was just last year. And then by my birthday on March 29th, that was the first time that he had told me that he loved me. So oh my gosh. things moved very, very quickly with us. Yeah, because didn't you move in together really quickly after that too? Yeah, so I would say so March, it was like March 7th, we had met for the first time in real life. June 15th, we moved into our new apartment. Wow. September 26th, I was pregnant. October or no November 12th we were engaged and then in December we had a miscarriage so like a lot had happened before we had even celebrated our first year anniversary wild and do you think like you mentioned that you really believe in destiny and things happening for a reason was it really one of those feelings that when you guys were together you were like yep this is the one you just knew right away totally I mean our personalities are very similar. So we are both, like, we both have extreme personalities that almost borderline on, like, being super addicted to things. So, like, once we like something, we, like, really like it. And if we don't like something, we we really are not interested. And so from the beginning with both of us, we were just really open with what we were sort of looking for, which was funny because before each other, we weren't looking for a relationship. Like, I was totally into my career at the time. So was he. We were both doing really well. I had just moved to Toronto. Literally the first weekend that I moved to the city, the next weekend after that, I was I basically had a boyfriend. And it was always hard work. Like, it, our relationship has never, ever, ever been easy. Bryce was borderline personality disorder. 
it's it's been a thing that we've had to deal with. We had a miscarriage. Like our landlord was crazy. Like we have been dealing with such crazy things our whole entire relationship. But you know that you know when people are like, oh, like it's it's a it's you know it's the right relationship when it's easy or when you don't have to like think about it. That's mm-hmm. not that's not what I think has made us successful. What I think has made us really be together and like want to be together is the willingness to put in the work. Like it, being with Bryce is almost as much work as having a startup, honestly. <laughs> and as rewarding, I bet. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so you mentioned experiencing miscarriage a couple times, yeah. just like very casually in this conversation, which <laughs> I think is is really like it's one of the reasons why I really admire you is because there is so much stigma around miscarriage and until I had met you and until I saw you open up about your own miscarriage on social media, I don't think I had met or known anybody who had ever talked about miscarriage before any woman and yet one in four women experience miscarriage, which is wild. It, so I know what inspired you to talk about it openly and how has that healing process been? I, I always forget how miscarriage events like a regular word in, in most people's vocabulary and like when I bring it up I, I whenever I bring it up especially in real life I always feel like a flash of panic mm. like on someone else's face and I, and I always have to be like no 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 it's totally okay like it's not a bad word we can talk about it I'm not uncomfortable it's totally fine because I totally treat it like it is talking about the weather or talking about your favorite color because just like you before we had experienced miscarriage, I didn't know anyone that did. I didn't see anything on social media. It wasn't in my network. It wasn't in my circle of friends. My mom never had a miscarriage. Like, it wasn't a regular thing. So I had been pregnant for for 12 weeks. And once we went into the ultrasound that happened at, at around 12 to 15 weeks, once we went in there, that's when I found out that I had already lost the baby and that the baby had stopped growing at six weeks. Mm. And once that happened, I was like, why didn't anybody, not warn me, but why wasn't this talked about? There were so many pregnancy books that I had, and miscarriage and stillbirth and loss would always be like the last two pages of the book, almost like a, like you have to find it in order to get there. It's like behind the index. It's not, like nobody talks about it. And I think why they don't talk about it is because they're afraid of, like, scaring us, or maybe they think that we can't handle it, but I think that because I was so unprepared, and, like, Bryce was so unprepared, and we didn't think that this was an actual thing that could happen, we we didn't know how to heal, we didn't know how to mourn, we didn't know what to do. It was like, okay, so I had a missed miscarriage, I didn't cramp, I didn't bleed, the baby is still literally inside me in my womb and it's been there for six weeks and, and I had no idea. So what do we do now? And people were like, well, I'm not really sure. And so that was, that was really what sparked me reaching out to you and talking about starting a podcast and about the publication and talking about of it because before I had one, I didn't know it was I didn't know what they were. Like, they're, they're not even in movies. Like, nobody mm-hmm. talks about it at all. And it's crazy because it's so common. 
Yeah, it is. It like those statistics really shocked me because when you started talking about it and then opening up even more on the podcast, I was like, wow, this is truly so common and it's it's kind of all around us and yet similarly to mental illness, like people yeah. aren't talking about it. Although I feel like the the stigma with mental illness has gotten so much better over the past 5 years and something like miscarriage or even abortion is still so taboo to talk about. Absolutely. And it's it's almost like talking about our periods. Like nobody wants to talk about it because they think it's like icky or, you know, not nice for conversation. But if we can't talk about the things that are happening with our own bodies, then how are we going to expect other people to normalize these things, mm-hmm. right? Like, if people are afraid to go into the pad aisle to buy a box of pads and then to check out because there's, like, a boy standing behind them, like, mm-hmm. we all have our periods, we almost all have mental health issues, and one in four of us are going to have a miscarriage. So it's, like... The more that we can talk about these things, even if you're not going through them, that's what, to me, feminism is. It mm-hmm. isn't what I'm going through and whether I've experienced privilege or whether I've experienced sexism. Feminism, to me, is knowing the plight of my sister and being able to advocate for her just as much as I can advocate for myself. So earlier this year, I think it was it February or January, maybe you had reached out to me. No, not, no, definitely not that early because I hadn't even started my podcast by February. So maybe it was, I don't know, April that you had reached out. Oh, a couple months ago, you had reached out uh, for advice on starting a podcast and kind of shared this whole idea of unapparenthood with with me, which is now like a real thing, (laughs) which is so cool to see how much it's grown and kind of how something really challenging um, could turn into something really inspiring for other people. So tell us about what Unapparenthood is, what your goals are, and kind of where you're at right now after launching. Yeah, so one of the biggest things is I'm super not white. Bryce is super not white either. Like, we're both very clearly visible minorities. I'm half Persian and half Filipino. Bryce is half, like, a bunch of European things and half Chinese. So we're both very mixed individuals who don't identify as being white. And when we went to a baby show back in our first pregnancy, we sort of walked around and didn't see ourselves in anything. So whether it were like the vendors, the booths, the people that were there, the style of the like baby stuff that they had, we didn't see ourselves in their marketing. We didn't see ourselves there at all and so we kind of felt slighted and we kind of felt like we didn't belong in this like mom dad community and this like suburban minivan community at all and being the millennials that we are we wanted to be able to not just talk about that but build this community that we wanted to be a part of so that was that was back then when we had these ideas of like what millennial parenting is and then we had the miscarriage And then it was, like, so far beyond millennial parenting. It was, like, the realities of pregnancy and parenting. And then when I got pregnant again this time, that's when it was, like, okay, now we need to really do something because I had lost the baby in December 
and then by February I was pregnant again. So it was all very quick. And one of the things that I loved about what you had done was you were super honest about your mental health. You started doing things that you were super passionate about. You started Self-Care Sunday and you had started freelancing and doing all of these cool things. And the thing that I loved about the podcast was it wasn't this big like thing that took you 50 years to start. You were like, I have this idea. I'm going to write some things down. I'll get a mic and I'll just start the conversation. And that's to us like what it was was just starting the conversation. So at first we wanted to just do the podcast where we would document our journey on what pregnancy like for us was like after loss. And then we were like, yeah, you know, like this is great, but it's not enough. So then we pushed the envelope further and started talking to other people about their journey. And then to us, it wasn't just about miscarriage anymore. It was talking about all of the things that nobody talks about during pregnancy. So like postpartum and the mental health issues that dads can go through and Bryce's borderline personality disorder and like being just like real people, like real parents, like not the like full house, white, like very stereotypical Mm -hmm. family. Like it was very non-traditional household and we wanted to be able to, to have that inclusive community. And then it grew into the online publication as well. So we, write about things and starting to do videos for IGTV and it was literally just creating this community where people can take all of these crappy things that happen to them like miscarriage and turn them into a part of their story so that they're able to heal and not just forget about their loss but turn that into their story so that they can go on and do things that they're super passionate about so it was almost like how do we inspire people to take all of the crappy things that happen and turn it into their personal mission statement so that they can go on and be like these awesome millennials that we know that they can be. Mm -hmm. Amazing. And I love how you talked about like podcasts being something that you can really just have an idea, write down like a few notes and start like buy a quick mic off of Amazon prime for 50 bucks Uh and start. And you guys did exactly that. Like you started really quickly and now you're like fully launched how long did it take from basically the idea to where you are now? I believe, I want to say it was like April when I had first reached out to you and started bouncing ideas off of you. you we had done some coaching and then maybe in May is when I bought all of the equipment. So all in all, we spent $300 on our equipment and we only spent that much because there were two of us like mm-hmm. two hosts in the same room and once you go from like one host um in one room and jumping to two hosts it's like a huge like there's a huge barrier um whereas if it was just like me doing remote stuff it would have been way cheaper but basically we bought two mics we bought a mixer um and we went through like we returned so many things to amazon and like got the right equipment kind of a disaster we were recording in our bedroom at the time in our old apartment and it was super hot and we recorded like three episodes and that's when i really looked to your help because i wanted to get a sponsor pre-launch like i wanted that validation that we were doing something that meant something to more people than just Bryce and I like yes this will be super therapeutic for us but we wanted to prove that this was something that people wanted so 
This was in May. I was able to secure the sponsor in June, which was Bumble. Bumble is one of our sponsors. And uh, we're now in July, and we've been launched for almost two weeks now, and we've gotten almost a 1,000 listeners. So it's been pretty, pretty awesome so far. Yeah. That's amazing. That's so, so good. And so it's amazing how much you can get done when you're actually focused on something and really excited and passionate about it. Because I think too many yeah. people hold off on starting something because they want it to be perfect. They are concerned about X, Y, and Z. Oh, what if I don't get enough listeners? What if I don't launch perfectly the first time? But it's like, if you just yeah. do it and you just put it out there and you contact sponsors and see who's interested, like there's so much that you can get done if you just do it. Yeah, honestly, I think... My biggest self-care that I do for myself is literally doing the ideas that I have. Like, I can't do all of them because I have a thousand ideas mm-hmm. a day, but the biggest thing that I can do for myself is, is really think about what I'm doing as a brand. So I think of the mission, vision, and values for the entirety of like my life. And as long as those things align themselves, then everything else lines up. So as long as I know what my mission, vision, and values are for unapparenthood, then it's so much easier for me to pitch people. It's so much easier for me to start new campaigns, for me to get guests, and for me to, like, stay on brand and to release, like, cover art that's, like, on brand and to be able to pick fonts and colors and do all of those things that seem really secondary. But once you know exactly what you're doing and know what your mission is, then everything else literally just falls into place. I'm curious what it's like for you to work with Bryce, who is both your partner in your personal life and also now your partner in your startup. It's not easy because we both have the same skill set. It would have been super useful if, like, one of us was actually a designer and, like, the other person was more technical. Like, I'm way more of a tech... Like, we're both very technical people and we're both resourceful, so we'll figure it out. But we're not... Like, I'm not naturally a designer, neither is he. And so we have... We share very much the same skill set and so it can get very redundant when we're talking about the same ideas and the same things. And it's kind of like, okay, but I I already said that or, like... I'm already doing that or I already had that idea or I already told you this last week but you weren't listening to me so <laughs> it's it's not easy but the thing that I love is especially now that I'm pregnant we can both be sitting on our couch and I can like grab his hand and throw it on my belly and we can feel the baby like kicking and then we can both go back to our work and our work is on our computer and that's the thing that we we really wanted to do before the baby came was put together all of the framework for us to be able to monetize this brand so that we can spend as much time with each other and with the baby as possible because we wanted to be able to have that super flexible lifestyle that every millennial seems to be going after right now. Yeah, well, there's a reason that everybody's going after it is because it's, I mean, as hard as it is it's so hard hard. and people that aren't in this lifestyle I think look from the outside in and think oh my gosh they just have the life cut out for them and it's like well yeah but (laughs) there's a lot of things that are really hard when people ask you what you do because 
when people ask me what I do, I still don't know what to say. Like, because I feel like we wear so many hats. Like, yeah. what hat do you choose to wear? Like, does it depend on the person? Or what do you... Give me some tips here. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good question. So... It kind of depends on the person. I would say for the first few months of freelancing, it really was dependent on who I was talking to because I did feel like I was doing so many things. I had just finished three years of working at my startup where I was managing you know, so many different roles, uh, wearing so many different hats. And so when I went into freelancing, I was like, oh, well, I have so many different skills. I can help people in all of these different things. Uh, which is what makes it really difficult to kind of label yourself as, I do this. But what I realized after a few months, this was maybe like one of the last months that you and I were working together. So this is only a couple months ago. I realized that I really needed to niche in on something to one, make my days more productive and two, make it easier for me to sell myself to people. And so when I first started freelancing, I was really doing everything, social media management, web design, copywriting, influencer marketing, like everything. And now, (laughs) yeah, yeah, because when you have all those skill sets, you're like, oh yeah, I can, yeah, I can do all of this. Yeah, I'll just do it all. Yeah, exactly. Don't hire anyone else. I'll just figure it out. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. But I basically niched in on influencer marketing because it was the thing that I was having the most fun with out of all of those 10 things that I was doing for clients. And I really started to build my processes around that specific thing and try to become kind of known for that specific thing. So now when I'm talking to people, the past three or three or so months, I've just been doing influencer marketing full time, basically. And I just call myself an influencer marketing manager or an influencer marketing consultant. And I've enjoyed niching down because I do find that I can kind of be like an expert in it versus uh, somebody who can do everything. I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it is hard. And I think that that's what's important is to not just find like what you're the expert in, but also what you actually want to do, right? Exactly. Yeah, because there is so many things like it's really easy now with Google and YouTube to just learn literally anything that you want to do and figure out how to make it work. And like you said, especially if you're resourceful, it's really Uh easy to be able to learn these skills and and work from home for anybody. Um, But it is a matter of really like figuring out what it is you do want to do and what you enjoy doing so that when you are spending your time at home working, you're excited about getting out of bed and actually going and sitting at a desk to work and not just like staying in your pajamas all day. I mean, I'm guilty of yeah. that too, but yeah. <laughs> but there is like a level of, you know, finding that thing that you're super passionate about because a lot of freelance work is kind of boring, to be honest. Like, Yeah, seriously. Uh, okay, so speaking of working from home, working online primarily and having a social media presence. We were talking earlier this week about dealing with online haters. Oh my God, my favorite thing. (laughs) Which when you're putting yourself out there online, it's inevitable that there's going to be someone usually anonymous that comes out of the woodworks to just try and bring you down because they're probably jealous that you're living this 
freedom lifestyle and they're stuck in an office or whatever it is, like whatever this person's vendetta is against you for no reason. Um, So you had like a big troll issue last week. What was that? Yeah. So I, it was, so in the beginning, it was kind of funny. And when I told my friends, they were like, oh my God, like that's how you know you've made it. Like when you have trolls and all of this and I was like oh haha like that's kind of funny but then it was kind of irritating because it kept on happening so I had posted oh you know what I posted a photo with Grinbrush um the toothbrush that I legitimate like is my favorite freaking toothbrush that I've ever used in my whole life and I've used some pretty cool toothbrushes but this one is I don't know what it is. I think it's, like, the weight of the handle and, like, the density of the brushes. But anyway, this is a, a spot for a brush. But it was a photo that I posted talking about the importance of your dental, like, health. What's the word that I'm looking for? Like, your, like, mouth health. Like, what oral is, hygiene? Like, is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, when you're pregnant, pregnancy gingivitis is, like, a huge problem because of all of the hormonal changes within your body, everything gets so crazy. So gingivitis is like a thing that can be really bad for you and baby. So keeping up with your like brushing and flossing all that is super important. So I posted about that and posted a photo of me with my favorite toothbrush. And I had gotten a comment saying, hey, we like you for like how funny and smart you are, but you shouldn't try to sell us things because you don't need to do that. And it's starting to make me feel like I need to be an influencer in order to be a mom. And it was like very, very bizarre. Like it wasn't proper English. It was very weird. And it was like mommy shaming me and I was not here for it. So I ended up posting about it in my story saying, like, I'm not selling anyone anything. I'm, like, I'm having a baby. I'm poor as heck. Like, if I could save $10 on any product that I would love, I would love a coupon code for that. So mm-hmm. that's what that is. Two, I'm literally being the most genuine and, like, making this so relevant to my brand and my followers. And three, it's a freaking cute picture. So, like, it's totally, like, I, I literally don't care what you say. So... <laughs> thought it was over thought it was a fun little game and it was over but it was far from over from that point on I had somebody comment on every single one of my pictures that I posted saying that I talk too much or I share too much or I don't need to tell everybody every little detail about my life and it was getting very crazy because these people were starting to write things like puke on my pictures with like Bryce and I and on pictures where I was talking about miscarriage because that's that's like the common theme of what I talk about on my on my social media it's like miscarriage and pregnancy and and these people or person were literally creating these fake accounts that weren't followed by anybody that wouldn't have a profile picture or they'd put one up afterwards and they'd be following like five people and would comment all of these things, but they weren't real accounts because I would message them and they wouldn't even read them because they were obviously like burner throwaway accounts. And I, I was shocked because I thought, because my brand is 
so ingrained with my faith. I feel like it affected me a little bit more than if it was like someone saying like they hated Target, like the CEO of Target wouldn't take that personally, but Mm -hmm. because my faith is attached to this brand and because they're literally commenting on my photos, I felt very attacked. And I have started to second guess whether what I was doing for this community of miscarriage survivors and pregnant people and this community that I was trying to build, I, I was really second guessing whether what I was doing was of value. And I was second-guessing what I was telling to my followers. I was second-guessing building this community. And then I reached out to you and was like, okay, this is, like, this is a little bit crazy now. Like, this is so far beyond me. And I'm literally starting to feel crazy because I was afraid to post pictures. And I was afraid of what I would write in my caption. And I just made an Instagram story where everybody was like, oh my God, I can't believe this person is like doing this. And like, it was very validating. But what the Instagram story was, was like saying, hey, like, this is what I talk about. I talk about miscarriage and I talk about pregnancy because this is what happened to me. And if you have any empathy or any sympathy, you will stop making fake accounts and harassing me because me, I can take it. But if this is what you're doing to other people, then that's what I have the problem with. And ever since I put that Instagram story out and was super honest with both my followers and obviously the people that aren't following me, they're making fake accounts. That's sort of when it stopped. So it hasn't happened over the past few days, but I still feel that twinge of being afraid of posting, for sure. It's interesting that after you kind of called them out indirectly, like without actually tagging them they realize, like, oh, wow, I'm being a shitty person. (laughs) Because, and, like, I'm totally up for for debate. I put up things in my stories all the time that people don't agree with, and I'm totally open to talk about things like gender norms and inclusivity and pregnancy and all of that. Like, I, I, I would love to have conversations with people, especially from the extreme right, if they're willing to have conversations with me. But what really got me was the fact that what they were saying was so, like, personal. And they, like, how, how do you hate on somebody that's being open about, like, miscarriage? It was very yeah. bizarre to me, you know? It wasn't like I was saying anything crazy. It was about my own personal journey. So it was, it was very bizarre. Very yeah, bizarre. that was, really, it's shocking to me what some people will say behind a fake account and who they choose to attack, like your vulnerability in your story and what you've shared online is so empowering and for somebody to take that I don't know it's beyond me but people don't shock me as much these days because there's a lot of crazies out there (laughs) I think it's I think it's part of like Bryce and I part of our like our personal brand as well is, is that that openness and that vulnerability like we wouldn't be who we were if we weren't super open about everything in our life like mm-hmm. if we're gonna post the good stuff like us being pregnant and us being happy like we're also gonna post the crappy things like people making fake accounts and commenting crappy things on our photos so I want to talk about healing and self-care a little bit because I think there's so many themes whether it's with miscarriage with building a startup with being in a relationship with dealing with online haters like so many things in life require us to really maintain 
our mental health and take care of ourselves in order to deal with all of these things and like be the best versions of ourselves. So what was your healing process like after miscarriage and how do you maintain your mental health now, like day to day? So with Bryce's borderline personality disorder and with his diagnosis, he goes through, um, he goes to the Center for Addiction and Mental Health three, for three hours a week, and he does DBT, so dialectical behavior therapy. And I had a really hard time after my miscarriage. And one of the things that really helped me and helped our relationship, especially in his, um, in his journey, was the family sessions part. So they had basically a tag-along group, and what I did was an hour of therapy every week where we learned the skills necessary to basically regulate our emotions. So we learned things like um, how to radically accept things that we can't change. So practicing how to say, you know, it is what it is, like I can't change it, but what I can change and can control is myself. So that's the only thing that I have control over in this situation. So how do I make these situations better that way? And we learned all these skills, but mostly what we learned is we learned how to look to ourselves for a lot of the answers. Like we looked to learn to look for our, at ourselves and what we were doing critically to either make situations better or worse. So that on my healing journey was huge. So that was maybe a month or so or a few weeks after we had the miscarriage. And what had helped me the most was that, but also really being open with my communication and being really open with Bryce on what we were going through. And it was not, it was not good. Like it was, we were in a really dark place. But we started doing little things that helped us out of our spot. So the first thing was we got the heck out of Toronto and we went to Costa Rica. And as soon as I got the go-ahead from the doctor saying like that everything was okay, that is when we literally almost booked a flight in the waiting room of the emergency room because we were so desperate and we're waiting for a doctor to be like, yes, you can totally leave now. So we went to Costa Rica and that's when we started um, talking about what we actually wanted out of life, like what we wanted to do. Did we want to write? Did we want to like make content? And that that was sort of the beginnings of Unapparent Parenthood. So the first thing was book a trip to Costa Rica, which I highly recommend <laughs> if you have the means to do so, because it is super cheap and it is an amazing, amazing place. And the people are super, super nice, and the beaches are amazing. So we did that, and then we binge watched The Office. Bryce had never watched The Office before, like literally not even a single episode, and we watched the entire, the entirety of the series, and I think like three and a half weeks. Amazing. I love The Office. We found a show, yeah, we found a show that made us just laugh, just made us laugh uncontrollably. And then there were the episodes where like Pam was pregnant, and like those were really hard, but it was kind of... It was kind of, like, good to see that again and, like, get normalized around it because we were just with each other mm. and we were very much, like, protective of what was going on. So we would, like, go out in, into the outside world for, like, groceries and then run back in the house. So that was really good for self-care at the office. The last thing that was really, really, really important in my journey for, um, 
for like healing and all of the self care with BetterHelp.com. So, unlimited therapy is usually around forty dollars a week for unlimited therapy, um, video chats, phone calls emailing them whenever you need. If you want another counselor, you can switch it up whenever you want. Um, they also offer financial aid. So if you're unable to afford $40 a week, they can drop it down to $25 a week. And for unlimited therapy, it's such, such great value. Mm-hmm. And I was able to learn all of the self-validation techniques through that. And like, tell my story again and again and again and again and I found that the more that I talked about the miscarriage the more that I talked about the way breast BPD affected me or our relationship or anything and the more that I spoke about it that was like the biggest thing that I could do for my self-care so my self-care was never really about like sheet masks and bubble baths so now that I'm pregnant it's very very nice to do these <laughs> things but it was a really like, how can I make myself better? Because I knew I was not in a good place just a few months ago. We've come so far, and you have this beautiful startup now, and you're going to have a beautiful daughter soon. I know, I know. <laughs> it's so exciting. Uh, do you have any advice to your younger self or to our younger listeners who, I don't know, might be want to be entrepreneurs or want to be mothers or are mothers or anything, any advice? I think the thing that I would tell all of the younger, the younger us is the only way that you will ever find true validation and feel really good about yourself is through learning how to do it for yourself. And it's such a cliche, like, if you can't love yourself, how is anybody going to love you? Just like RuPaul says on Drag Race. Mm -hmm. But... If I knew that 10 years ago, I would have saved myself so many bad dates, like so many bad instances that I didn't want to be in because I was on this, this like chase for this fake love because Mm -hmm. I thought that validation to me was like, you know, having a boyfriend or being in love and I was obsessed with love. I loved rom-coms and I loved reading about love and I loved love stories and I was obsessed with finding it because I didn't realize how much I was hurting on the inside and I think that if I had just realized why and like asked myself why was I so obsessed with all of these crazy ideals of what I thought life was supposed to be like and really asked myself what was it that I wanted and I feel like I would have been on this entrepreneurial journey a lot sooner and would have had a a better, like, clearer path for what I really wanted to do, which was interact with people and be a part of these communities that are spreading awareness about amazing things. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Self-Care Sunday. If you enjoyed Amina's story, go follow her at Unapparenthood or check out her work unapparenthood.com. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or anywhere that podcasts are found or follow us on Instagram at Self-Care Sunday. Happy Self-Care Sunday, everyone.